Well, let me ask all of you, the rest of you, I guess all of you, let me ask you, if you've ever kept a secret, obviously, that's a, that's a, there's an obvious answer, yes. We as adults are pretty good at that. We're good at keeping secrets, keeping things to ourselves. Some of us, though, can't keep a secret, right? Sometimes you do something wrong, you, keep, you can keep that secret. But sometimes you're, someone tells you, hey, don't tell anybody this, I, I want to keep this a secret. Who, who's the kind of person that just can't pull that off? Anybody? You can admit it. We got one, two. The rest of you, who's in denial? You know, we. It's hard to keep secrets. I'm one of those folks that just struggle to keep secrets when it's, you know. And I, I'm the kind of guy that blows the surprise parties. You know, I'm not supposed to tell someone, and I forget, and then I, it just ruins the thing. If I've messed up your parties, I'm sorry. If you've been affected by this, I think, I don't know if I have done that in your case, but I feel like I did once down the road. But it's strange. The younger you are, the less secrets you seem to be able to keep. I mean, children especially, if you notice this, little kids, they just don't keep secrets very well. Isn't that true? Um, I've seen this with my kid. You know, I tell him, okay, don't tell mommy, we're going to, and he's just like, it's burning inside of him to tell her the thing that we're trying to keep to ourselves, you know. The younger they are, it's harder. They get, as they get a little older, you know, you can kind of keep a secret. Um, I remember as a kid, I got into trouble once. I had led a pack of kids, I was about 10, and I led a pack of neighborhood kids to a liquor store, and we were not supposed to go across this main highway to get to the liquor store, and we all went there, and I said, it's going to be okay, we're going to be fine, I'm watching all of you. And so five-year-olds up to ten-year-olds, we head to the liquor store, and we, we crossed Arnold Arnold Drive, which is a big highway where I grew up, and uh, it, you know, we get all of our candy. We bring it back to my house. We're not supposed to do that either. We're back in my my bedroom and we're eating all this candy, and all of our parents were gone. Well, I hear my mom's Chevy Malibu pull up into the driveway, and I freak out. And I I'm grabbing the candy and I'm trying to th- trying to hide it. And I turn and I run to, I don't know why, but I run into the corner of the wall. I knock myself down and I and I start bleeding. And my mom is coming into the, into the house. And anyway, at that point, when I knocked myself into the wall, the five-year-old ran out of the bedroom crying, met my mom at the door and said, we went to the liquor store and we weren't supposed to. And I had my story. I was, even though I had, was bleeding, I was grabbing the candies, trying to stuff it in my, in my uh, dresser to not get caught because I was going to, I was just going to say I just got hurt somehow and. But the little five-year-old neighborhood kid, he ratted me out, you know. And But as we get older, we start to keep more secrets. It's just a lot easier for us to just keep more and more secrets. Sometimes we have personal secrets, you know, things we've done. Sometimes we have family secrets, things that have happened within our family. Sometimes those secrets can be very uh, painful and deep. And we just, we experience a tremendous amount of a difficulty through the years because of some of those secrets. Uh, sometimes they can be about lies we've told, you know, we've cheated, we've stole maybe. Often it's related to relationships. We've just got these secrets. And, and those secrets can really begin to weigh us down in our lives and just do damage over a period of time. And I, you may have heard about this, but there's an organization called Post Secret. Anybody heard about this? The Post Secret? Um, this organization started as an art project, I think, in uh, 06 or 03, 
one of those years. And this guy was, he was asking individuals to take a four by six postcard and to, in a few words, write on the postcard in any creative way they wanted to a secret that they've never told any other human. And then anonymously drop that postcard in a mailbox to this man and just mail it to this organization. And this thing really took off around the country. You know, tens of thousands of people began to just hear about this and, you know, make art projects and these little postcards and they'd mail it into this guy. And, you know, this, there's even a book now called Post Secrets. There's several books that this guy has produced with these postcards in it. There's also a website, Post Secret website. And it's just everyday Americans sharing some of the things in their life that they've never told anyone. And some of them are tragic. Some of them are pretty offensive. Some of them are really hurtful secrets. And I wanted to show you a video clip from this guy's website, the Post Secrets website. And this clip is, is from the founder's website where he tells us a few things that really surprised him after he started receiving people's secrets. So let, let's take a look at this. When I started Post Secret and invited people to mail me their secrets three years ago, I got three surprises. First was the soulful artwork that came on the postcards. Second were the tens of thousands of secrets that were mailed to me. And lastly, I've been astonished by the frailty and heroism I see in the secrets of ordinary people like you and me living our everyday lives. anything like this, but you do have secrets. We have things that just eat away at us from the inside. And that, that's what we're looking at today, just this idea of stuffing things down. You know, all these po- postcards, they really point to feelings, really, really hard feelings that people experience deep, deep hurt that they bury for years and years. And I think one of the reasons why this post-secret phenomenon has really taken off is because we have this desire to just get things off our chest. It, it, it provides a certain amount of freedom when we just allow some of that stuff that's deep inside of us to come out and to begin to find healing. Even in just saying it, that can be really freeing to say some of the things that we've done, things that have been done to us, things we've experienced. It really can be freeing for us. We've been looking at this message series called Lost, and today... We're going to continue that. Loss is a really good metaphor for life. 
because we all know what it's like to feel lost and alone at times, trapped, having different questions. And we especially feel lost when we allow our past, things in our past like secrets, to overwhelm us and to keep us from being able to move forward into the future and even deal with the present. And um, sometimes it's those secrets that are just begin to destroy us. I want to look with you this morning at another question. We've looked at three different questions so far, and the fourth question today we're going to look at is, how can I be forgiven? You've got a listening guide if you'd like to follow along. It's in your bulletin. How can I be forgiven? How can I experience grace for those things that have happened in my past? How can I go on after those things that were done to me or things that I did to others? How can I just move forward? I want to look at this. The first thing I want you to understand about this topic, about moving on, or just about the topic of, of uh, secrets, is really understanding, you need to understand our condition. You have to recognize this. You are not the first person to sin. You're not the first person to make a mistake. You're not the first person to fail in life. If you have secrets, things you, you know, you're ashamed of, things you've done, well, you're certainly not the first person who's done that. All of us fail. The Bible says that we all make mistakes. We all sin. And we've been looking for the past few weeks in the Bible at the first three chapters of Genesis. And so we're looking now at Genesis chapter 3, just walking this story through a little further. And last week, we looked at how God created us for community. He wanted us to be in community with others. So he didn't want Adam to be alone. So he formed Eve, connected them together. And it says at the end of chapter 2 in Genesis that... He says, you know, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be, the two will be joined together, will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And it says, then the two of them were naked and they felt no shame. So here's Adam and Eve, they're naked in the garden. But there's a different sense of their nakedness than what we might picture in our, in our world today. And so I want to look at this a little further. Chapter 3, though, picks up with major change happens. Adam and Eve were in the garden. Everything was really good. And then in chapter, three, in chapter 3, temptation comes, trouble hits, and things change. And our world has been impacted by the trouble and the problem that came up in this very first chapter of Genesis. This message series, we're calling it Lost, Finding Direction in a Wrecked World. This is why the world is wrecked. is because of what happens in this chapter and what we have followed the pattern that we see of Adam and Eve. So let's look at this together. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? As you read on in the Bible, you learn that this serpent isn't just a talking snake. He's Satan. In this case, Satan, he comes to the woman and he asks her a question. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The emphasis here is really on the fact that God must be a stingy God. He's saying, man, you could almost, you know, this sentence could really read differently. Like, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree? Or what kind of God is that? A God that would limit your freedom? What kind of God is that? He really began to, to challenge and question this question God and the limits, the boundaries he set on Adam and Eve. Because if you remember what we looked at a couple weeks ago, 
God said, you can, you can eat from any tree in this garden, but just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This one tree you, you shouldn't eat from. There'll be consequences. So Satan, he begins to set her up and he challenges. Look at the response in verse 2. It says, the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit. I'm sorry. You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. It's interesting. She adds something to God's word here. He said, don't eat from the tree. She says, don't eat from it. And he even said, don't touch it. God didn't say don't touch it, but she added a layer on top of what God said. That's kind of like us. Sometimes we add to what God says and she added an extra layer. And then look at verse four. The serpent says, you will surely You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Basically says, I know that's what God said. I know God said you'll die, but you're not going to die. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says that Satan is the father of lies. He's the father of lies. This is what he does. And so what we see in this first chapter of Genesis is Satan is acting within his character. He's lying. He's spreading half-truths. And he still does this today. In our, in our world, he, still, he still, still tells us lies, tries to get us off track and derail us. To not really think, he wants us to not think that what God says is true. So he'll challenge those things. On the front end, he'll tell us lies like he did here. You know, God said that this is going to happen. No, that's, that's not going to happen. So he'll do that. It's okay if you do this or that, as long as, as long as it pleases you. It's okay. He tells us lies on the front end. You can just do whatever you want in life. You, you won't get caught. If you can get away with it, if you can plan the best scenario, you can, get, you can get away with it. You can just bury that thing inside of you and never have to deal with it. That's, that's a lie that Satan tells us. On the back end, there's even lies. He lies to us about what might happen afterwards. If you do something wrong, you blow past the boundary. Then Satan begins to throw a different type of lie to us, like, God will never forgive you now. Look at what you did. And you say you follow Christ? Wow. God, How could God forgive you for that? So he's lying on the front end to us. He lies on the back end to us. And we get all messed up because of this in our lives. Each one of us faces these lies and the pressure from shame and guilt after we, after we do things that are wrong. But when we look at this first temptation right here in the Bible, we're really reminded that temptation can come in all sorts of different angles in our life. You know, we can be tempted to do all sorts of things. We could be tempted to steal. I could be tempted to steal. You could be tempted to steal. You could be tempted to lie. I could be tempted to lie, cheat, gossip. You know, we all can be tempted to violate our vows. If you're married, you can be tempted to violate that vow. Just fly past the boundaries that God has set up. All of us have temptation and opportunity to just blow past boundaries of purity that God wants for us. Boundaries He's placed around sex. You know, we all have that opportunity to just blow past those boundaries. And there's always, whenever the temptation is there, there's always lies involved. And whenever we buy into the temptation and we, we blow through those boundaries, we've believed a lie. We've bought into some lie, thinking that there's not consequences, thinking that we can get away with it. Um, but look at this. Verse 6 says, 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. So she, she bought the lie. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. It's interesting. You know, Satan goes to Eve first and deceives her. And she, she takes this, that, you know, this fruit from the tree she's not supposed to eat and she eats it. And she gives it to her husband who, scripture says, you know, you have this idea that Adam was maybe off playing golf and then he runs it to her. But scripture says that she took some and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Adam was standing beside her, passively watching. And then, you know, really going, he blowing past the boundaries here. She was, she was in a sense deceived. Adam sinned with his eyes wide open. It's an interesting thing that happens in this story. It was, it says it was pleasing to the eye. You know, if it weren't tempting, if it didn't look good, then, uh, we're not drawn to those kinds of things. We're tempted when, we're tempted very easily by, by things that look good. Things that we think we really need, um, and it's not very hard to find yourself in a tempting situation. Isn't that true? Um, you've probably seen this bumper sticker or t-shirt. I think it's a play off of the Lord's Prayer. It says, lead me not into temptation. I can find it, you know, just fine on my own or something like that. You know, I have no problem finding it on my own. And, and you know, so she does this. She just eats the, she just eats from the tree, gives it to Adam. Then there's this amazing price that is ultimately paid for the sin. So that's the first thing. We need to understand we're not the first one to blow it in life. We're following this pattern that Adam and Eve did. The second thing is this, understanding your condition, is understanding that you're susceptible to temptation. Just clearly keeping that in your mind, realizing that I am not invincible. That I, every single one of us has the power within us to do some very, very horrible things. And we all look like we've got our act together here. You know what I mean? I wouldn't expect any of you guys to mess up. Because you look, you know, you look upstanding. We all, we can, we all can look really good. But the truth is we all have this ability on the inside to just do what we want to do. And we've all seen and heard of people who are very smart, intelligent people that just blow past the boundaries and then pay a real price for sin. I, I know very well how capable I am of just doing what I want to do. And I, I, you know, temptation is just very, very real in our lives. It can happen to all of us. First Corinthians 10.13, it says here, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You know, the things we're tempted by, they're, they're common. And God is faithful. Here's the promise. When you are tempted, it says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when you are tempted, that's, you know, it's going to happen. He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. We, we, we know we're susceptible to temptation. It's going to come. And when we do sin, when we do fail, we have to realize we're not alone. We're not the first to have done this. Romans 3.23 tells us this. It says, for all of us, every single one of us has sinned. Sinning is to miss the mark or to just blow past God's boundaries. We all do this and we all fall short of the glory of God. Others have done this. Others will continue to do this. But it all started here with Adam and Eve. 
And there's a real price that was paid in this first in the garden as they blew past the boundaries. And the price of sin, you see this on your outline, the price of sin, it's just not right. You've all heard of the price is right, you know, you win prizes and you know you might you might be hitting in the show, you know, if you keep winning games, the price is right, the price is right, the price is right. You know, you, that's good. But in, in sin, the price of sin is never right. It's never worth it. It may appear to be right. It may appear to be good. It may be desirable to the eye and pleasing. But we don't realize there's a real price to be paid. And the price is much greater than I think we all anticipate paying. It usually takes us a lot further than we want to go. And we're going to see that here in verse 7. It says, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then it says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. They realized that they were naked. They'd been naked the whole time, though. It's kind of funny. They were naked the whole time, and then all of a sudden they sin. And then it says, their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked. Why now, in this moment, do you think they realized that they were naked? The Bible's making a very, very specific point here about they, about shame. Now, they were ashamed of something that they did. They'd eaten from the tree, and immediately, their innocence was gone. Their purity was gone. And this is the real price that we pay for sin, is this. Sin separates us from God. When we sin, when we blow past God's boundaries... It separates us from God. This is what happened in the garden. This is what we experience in our lives. When we sin, and in our human state, because we sin, we are sinners, we are separated from God. There's a real problem that exists between us and God because of this patterned lifestyle. And once it separated Adam and Eve from God, they were no longer finding fulfillment and meaning in their life. You know, they were intended, God intended to create them to relate to Him and to find all of their purpose and meaning and fulfillment in that relationship. And then when they sinned, now they started looking away from God and away from that relationship and they were trying to cover up, they were looking for something else to satisfy them because they realized they were naked, they were ashamed, their innocence, it was all gone. So what they try to do is they immediately, they see their state, their situation, and they try to fix it. They make fig leaves for themselves. They try to make it right. It, when we sin, we do this. You know, we try to bury it down. Sometimes it's in the form of secrets. We just stuff it down. <clears throat> what do you do, though? When you sin, when you blow it, when you make mistakes, what do you do with it? This is the on the back side. We're going to just look at two points here. This is... Two steps to finding forgiveness. How, how do I deal with things? The first thing is this. To find forgiveness, we need to admit our sin to God. Just simply admit your sin to God. Unconfessed sin really impacts our life. It just it does damage to us on the inside. So the first thing we want to do is just get it out. Admit it. Admit our failures. Admit our mistakes to God. Look at Adam and Eve. They were ashamed, so they covered themselves up. Look at verses 8 and 9. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
Verse 9 says, But the Lord God called to them, Where are you? Now, he's God. He knows exactly where they are. This wasn't a question for God. It wasn't like God couldn't find them. It wasn't a game of hide and seek. He was asking this question for Adam and Eve's sake. He was asking a deeper question so that they would begin to ask, yeah, where are we? How did we get to this place? How did we get derailed? And Adam responds in verse 10. He says, he, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so, so I hid. And then in verse 11 it says, And he said, God said to him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And then you've got this classic set of responses here, similar to ones that I've used in my own personal life. Verse 12 says, The man said, Well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent, he deceived me, and I ate. So... It's interesting. First, Adam, he throws Eve under the bus. He throw, it was her fault. This woman, the one that you put here with me, God, she made me do it. I was just standing here. I had my hand up, and there, there it was. I didn't know where it came from. You know, he throws her under the bus, and then Adam, she deflects off to the serpent, blames it on the serpent. But what a clear picture of what we do when we mess up. We don't want to own up. We don't want to admit that we've blown, we've blown it. And we just, we pass the buck. This is one struggle for relationships is we do not clear things up. We just bury it. We don't take responsibility for things. And so that's what you have here. But you know what? What God wants us to do, He wants us just to come clean. He wants us to be honest with Him, just admitting things to Him. The Bible says that we are responsible for the actions and the things that we do. There's actually consequences for our actions. There are times in our lives when our circumstances and situations that may not have been entirely our fault, things have happened to us, but many times um, we have done certain things that we know just we need to deal with. We've buried him. We've buried them. And we, we really can't shake that responsibility. Just recently, about three weeks ago, I was praying through some things in my own personal life and just praying about parenting and different things that I had noticed and trying to work on some things. And God brought something to my mind that I had done when I was like 10 years old that was pretty despicable. It was pretty bad. I'm not going to tell you because I don't need to. (laughs) But uh, I thought of this thing through the years and at different points in my life, it'd come back to my mind that I had done this. And I, I would just, out of shame or whatever, I'd just bury it down and forget about it for three, four, or five years. You know, a few years ago, it kind of came up in my head and I just buried it again. And then, <clears throat> as I was praying, God was saying, this, you got to deal with this. you got to make this right. you got to confess this to me and you got to go make restitution now. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be easy because this is a pretty horrible thing. I mean, I don't deserve to go to jail, just so you know. I'm not running from the law or anything. So, and I have shared this. Scripture says it's good to confess this to others. And I have confessed this to a couple guys in the church. And um, You know, and you might think, and I rationalized it. I was only 10 years old. God, 
But in my heart, I knew it was wrong. I knew I had just done some horrible things. And so, um, after I just confessed it to God and got it out, I realized I needed to make restitution. I needed to have a conversation with someone. And, and so, I did. And that was a really hard thing to do. Probably one of the hardest things I've had to do this last couple of years, I feel like. Just suck up my pride and make a really hard phone call and say sorry for some things that I did. They were really wrong. And um, you know what? It brought healing to me. It brought healing to this person. Um, it explained some things in my own life. explained some things in this person's life. And, you know, but I just wanted to stuff it down and keep it a secret. And as I admitted that to God and then just let, let God forgive me, what a tremendous amount of healing that has brought in my own life. I just, I walked away from that the days after just feeling lighter. I just, I didn't have to carry that anymore. I knew I was forgiven, and I knew I'm not hiding that from God anymore. I, I dealt with that. And you know, that's, that's what we've got to do. When God shows us things that we've done, and we might think, you know, there's just too much in my life. There's too much in my past. You know what, I think God, there, He'll bring real healing in our lives when we will just confess things, call it what it is. God, that was wrong. You say that this is sin, or you, you've said this is, you know, whatever he calls it. You just call it what God calls it and confess that to him and not make excuses for it. When you do that, it just opens up your life to be healed. There's a tremendous amount of health you can experience. The Bible is just packed full of people who, you know, they were good people, good kings, good leaders, but they had some dark times in their lives. They, they made some bad decisions at times. There was a guy, King David, he made a really bad decision one day. He's standing on his rooftop. He should have been out fighting a battle. He's standing on his rooftop instead of going with his army. And he, he was just standing there, and he sees a woman bathing, and he goes and he calls that woman and has sex with her. And then he has her husband killed to cover up for the fact that she'd gotten pregnant. Well, this is the king, God's man. This was the man that God was, had worked through. King David wrote, penned most of the Psalms. Well, he's the guy that royally messed up. You know, in, in Psalm 51, he clears it up. Psalm 51, I just, a couple of verses. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my sins and my sin, or my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Later he says, cleanse me. Wash me. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, we need this kind of healing. We need to just be honest with God. The last thing is this. is After you've admitted your sins to God, to reach out to God for His grace. God wants to extend forgiveness to us. His grace is available. It was available to Adam and Eve in the garden even. But He wants to forgive you and give you a clean start. In Psalm 103, verse 12, the Bible says that, that God will cast, He will take our sins and He'll cast them as far as the east is from the west. We're going to sing a song in a minute called East to West. And it's this idea that as we admit our sins to God and we say, God, I've really blown it here. Would you forgive me? As we do that, God will take our sins and He'll cast them, Scripture says, as far as the east is from the west. You know, you can go to the North Pole, you can go to the absolute north and absolute south, but you can't go to the absolute east or west. That's why the psalmist said, 
you know, God just, he takes them and he casts them to a distance that you can't even get to. You, you can't go there. God wants to forgive us. And we, we see this in the garden. After they'd blown it, the scripture says that there was some, some consequences. And I'm not going to look at those, but there's some serious consequences that they experienced. Lots of hurt and hardship in our lives. When you ask the question, why is there so much pain in the world? Why is there so much suffering? Part of it is because of the consequence, the curse of sin in our lives. But God, He wants to work in our lives beyond that. He wants us to take us past the things that we've done and past the consequences and, and give us real hope to be able to move forward. Look at verse 21. It says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and He clothed them. You know, they had made some fig, fig leaves to cover themselves up. They put some ragtag clothing together. And then it says the Scripture comes, that God comes along and He clothes them with garments of skin. The word garments refers to a luxurious garment, something very nice and rich. So God kind of takes them from, you know, rags to riches. He really dresses them up. He, he covers our sin. He clothed them with His grace. And this is what we can experience today. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. It says, for it is by grace. Grace is unmerited favor or undeserved kindness. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. What God has done for us is He sent His Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sin, to pay the price for all of our failures, the things that we've done in our life. And he lived a perfect life. And so in his death, as he went to the cross to die for us, he died in our place so that we wouldn't have to pay the price to be separated from God. Right now, to experience his, his separation in our lives right now, and then also in eternity. Through Jesus Christ, God applied his righteousness to our lives. If we'll trust our life to him, if we'll reach out to him, then God looks to us through the, the kindness of of the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. And he sees a different person. He sees someone who's forgiven and whose sins have been cast away. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says this, For as in Adam all die. That's the curse that we find ourselves under in this world, is that if we'll follow in Adam's footsteps, that we are doomed, we are under God's wrath, because we make mistakes, we miss God's mark. And we're doomed, we will die. But in Christ, all would be made alive. Our hope is found in, in the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. And God, He's still asking the same question that He asks them. Where, where are you at? You know, when He went to them in the garden, where are you? He asks us that same question. Where are you at? Are there things you're, you've buried down that you need to get off your chest? Maybe you've never committed your life to Christ and never asked God to come into your life and to, to forgive you. You've never admitted that you're even a sinner. This is the starting point, is admitting you're a sinner and then receiving God's forgiveness through His grace. But maybe you've already done that. Maybe you are a Christian, you've decided to walk with God, and like me, you know there's some things in your life that you need to begin to dig up and, and ask God to heal. And I'd encourage you to do that. I'd like to lead us in a prayer right now. And I'm just asking that if you, if you are at a point where you're just... You know you're, you need God's forgiveness. Just pray with me as we, 
as we pray together and as the band comes up. Father, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for how we see our lives in stories from thousands of years ago. We see our struggles. We see our mistakes. I see myself in in Adam and Eve, Lord, and just their buying into lies. And God, at the same time, I know you give us opportunity to come to you, to receive your grace, to be forgiven, Lord. God, I thank you that in Christ we can find real freedom. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, I ask, God, that you'd speak to their hearts right now as we sing. Lord, I pray that they would respond to you in their hearts, just asking you to forgive them for their life of sin, for the things that they've done. And, Father, they would hand those things over to you and no longer try to carry them on their own. And that you would grant forgiveness, Lord. Thank you that you promise that if we have the Son of God, we have eternal life. For those of us that are just carrying things, Lord, for years, carrying struggles and secrets, Lord, I pray that you would, as we sing this song, Lord, I pray you'd bring things to our mind that we need to let go of. And that in our hearts we would confess that to you and find the freedom that you promised to us, Lord. Thank you so much for your love and your goodness, God. In Jesus' name, amen. On the card, you can, uh, if you've never connected with God, never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, on that welcome card, there's a little box in there just that i like to learn how to have a relationship with Jesus. Would you mark that if that's you? And then I'd love to share with you, get you some information, maybe have a conversation with you to help you nail down and find God's forgiveness. Let's sing together.